Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag Hurling to the Core. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined for our All-Ireland Football Final Preview by Michael Verney and Conor McKeown. Lads, how are things? How's it going, Will? And guys, I suppose after the semi-finals, we had our discussion about it was the future of the football championship and Dublin's dominance. So we we can maybe pack some of those issues today and focus more on the actual matchup between Dublin and Mayo, Connor. And I know on Monday in the paper you kind of went through Mayo's All Ireland final heartbreak over the last you know I think thirty-one years. It hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them. It was interestingly this team. Although there are a couple of veteran players who have been around, you know, from previous final defeats, I think around half of the team is even new from the semi-final loss to Dublin last year. So it really is a new team that James Horan has at his disposal this year. Like, does that change things for you coming into this game versus maybe how it went last year, or, or how are you looking at it? Well, first of all, I think the issue about the previous finals, like, like that's that's definitely sort of a Mayo football issue rather than the Mayo footballers of this team's issue. They've never, like to their eternal credit, you know, the best performance they ever put up in an All-Ireland final was three years ago, which was, you know, having lost the eight previous finals that the county were in. And they never wore that sort of, um, you know, it never looked like a new, like something that was hanging around their necks, you know. Uh, they didn't seem to be particularly weighed down by it. And they don't, you know, they're, they're obviously a very resilient bunch. Um, but I don't think they've ever, you know, it'd be one thing if you were coming into an All-Ireland final with this team, if they'd have had those sort of blowouts that they had against Kerry in 04 and 06, then I'd understand coming up with this kind of sense of dread. But th- this group of Mayo players, and particularly under James Horan, they've always seemed to be incredibly just sort of goal-orientated, you know. Every time they've lost the final, they've tried to use it in some way as a building block to go and try and win it again. And I think they probably just see it nearly as this, you know, whether it's their destiny or this kind of quest that they're on. And, you know, if you have to lose a couple of finals on the way to win them one, you know, so be it. That's an experience that you have to go through. And I think it's important to highlight as well, you know, they, they've changed the perception of themselves as well, you know, in Crow Park. They've won some huge games in Crow Park. They've beaten basically everybody other than Dublin. And I think even the rivalry with Dublin, I know it's eight years since they've beaten Dublin in a match of any description, which is incredible considering how often they've played them. I still don't think that that's going to sort of infect their psyche, if you want to put it that way, coming up to this match. But, you know, the issue about the new players is very, very pertinent. Um, I thought last year in the semi-final, in the second half, when Dublin got that press on, um, and, and it was like it was almost like a power play in ice hockey, you know, they completely overwhelmed Mayo in that period of time. But I think they, they looked like they lacked legs, you know, that they looked like a team that were starting to get older as Dublin were sort of, 
getting younger because of the, some of the players who come into the team. So I think it's a very deliberate thing that James Horn has done. I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that there's a new player in every line of the team if you go through it. Um, you know, Oshin Mullen and Owen McLaughlin and, okay, Matthew Rowan's been there for a season, but he's still only played maybe nine or ten championship matches. Uh, Ryan O'Donoghue and obviously Tommy Conroy as well. So they have freshened up the team and I think the effect that it has had will be much more, you know, in terms of the, their ability to stay with Dublin athletically rather than, you know, they needed to bring in some new faces so they didn't remind themselves that they'd lost to Dublin in the past. I actually don't see that being a factor in this game at all on Saturday. Yeah, Michael, and one interesting aspect of Saturday is obviously it will be behind closed doors. It isn't the same build-up as they would have had the previous finals. Does that benefit Mayo, I suppose, the pressure that comes with getting to another final and having not won one in so long and young players getting their first taste of it? Does being maybe slightly shielded from the, the hype or the build-up, does that help them, do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't think it does any harm, Will, to be honest with you, but I think even more so, um, I think it's a huge benefit during games uh, when Dublin turned a screw on a team and you feel like the world is caving in around you and every time David Clark steps up, steps up to a kick-out, there's almost like this volume of noise and there's an expectancy that Dublin are going to win the kick-out. Um, I think that definitely helps, uh, particularly underdog teams. Uh, Kay Kirby had a tweet out there a couple of weeks ago, the sports psychologist, just thinking of low-key build-ups and even lack of crowds in games definitely helps underdogs. And I'd, I'd, have, to, I'd have to agree with that. Like If you're looking at, just say, if you look back to the, the Waterford Kilkenny All-Ireland semi-final, when Kilkenny are nine points up, TJ Reid scores that second goal, you're kind of thinking if a crowd was there, the, you know maybe Waterford might cave in a small bit. But they didn't. And you're able to maybe turn around momentum quite quickly as a result of that so I definitely think that's that's an added thing with Mayo like you know the Hill and the Dublin support as well is a, a little advantage to Dublin particularly when they're getting on top I can't imagine as an opposition player uh, what's going on in your mind when all of that is building up so it, that to me that has to be a, a small advantage to Mayo and um, that when maybe Dublin turn the screw or go through their purple patch that maybe it's a little less daunting from a Mayo point of view. Yeah, and Connor, from a Dublin perspective, you know, if you're trying to pick out maybe interesting talking points before a match, considering the you know the run they've had to the final, there's probably not much you can pick out from the games themselves. But one interesting thing I've you know I've found is I suppose having Paul Mannion and Brian Howard on the bench, you have a guy in Mannion who's won three consecutive All Stars, Howard two consecutive All Stars, and neither of them can get in the starting team. Now I know Mannion was maybe carrying an injury into the championship, so he didn't get to hit the ground running, but. Just even the, the team selection element of it is is a bit interesting considering he has those big guys in reserve. Yeah, uh, I think it probably suits Desi Farrell as well to have those guys on the bench because, you know, if things aren't working and you need to, you know, boost the team, like how many times did Dublin win All-Irelands against, you know, usually against Mayo or Kerry, bringing fellas like Paul Flynn and Michael Darren McCauley and Bernard Brogan off the bench. Um, so while it's good to have, and like those players are now starting to, filter away you know they're not making the impact um, of old you know with Kevin McManaman I don't think got off the bench the last day Philly McMahon is really the only one from that set um, who made an impact off the bench the last day so you know I think when you have players of that quality you know like there's probably no chance that Dublin are going to be blown out of it next Saturday night that's not an outcome I don't think anybody is really envisaging so I think no matter what situation the game is in going into the last 10 minutes being able to bring on a fresh Paul Mannion or being able to bring on a fresh Brian Howard, I think is a huge thing. I would, you know, I, I, I'm starting to think that Howard might start. He's probably the one of the two that, 
you know, you just want on the pitch at the very start. He's so versatile. Um, you know, if you remember, he played so many roles in the two All-Ireland finals last year. You know, he was catching kickouts. When Dublin went down to 14 men, he was actually taking the ball from Stephen Cluxon and running the ball out of defence because Kerry had an extra man and they were able to press everywhere in the pitch. And Howard's sidestep is sort of ridiculous. Like, you know, he just he goes at a, a 90 degree angle and nobody can lay a hand on him. So he's such a smooth ball carrier that I think, you know, whatever the issue is um, over him before, he looks like he's kind of, he's back. Um, and, and I can't imagine that they're going to leave him on the bench. But like, uh, you know, this, this match will essentially come down to a series of matchups. You know, I think Dublin and Mayo will both play with a plus one at the back um, because that's the way both of them like to play. I don't think either team will change their system for the other one. And then it'll come down to the you know the other 13 outfield players, you know, all trying to win their individual battles and how some of them pair up are going to be really interesting. Um, but as Michael said, though, the, the, the Mayo kickout is, is just really, really interesting because, you know, particularly on a cold day when the ball just doesn't fly quite as far anymore. Um, like, if Clark doesn't get an early kick out away, Dublin will go after it absolutely voraciously. And if they win two kickouts in a row, it can just become an avalanche. Now, Mayo have sort of been through that, you know. You know, even those horrible experiences can stand to you because you know what it feels like and you know where you went wrong before. And they'll have a plan to, look, this is the go-to kickout. This is how we're going to guarantee that we get the third one into a Mayo pair of hands. But, you know, the problem with Dublin is sometimes that can be too late. You know, they can, when, when they pounce, they're going to, they're going to pounce hard, but you know, the kickouts and and the matchups I think are effectively what will win and lose the game on Saturday. And if Mayo can crack both of them, win enough of the win enough of their own kickouts, and don't go through a period where they where they get savaged on their own kickouts, and if they win eight or nine of the matchups, you know they have every chance of winning the game. Connor, just a quick one there. Uh, you mentioned about matchups, and obviously even how maybe Kevin McManaman, and Michael Dara and these guys don't have as much of an influence, and there's a lot maybe less older faces knocking around the place. Philly McMahon's role, uh, do you see it, wh- where, what do you see his role as? Is that a case of if Aidan O'Shea is part at the edge of the square, do you see him coming in? or like He was very good even when he came in on, on uh, Thomas Gallagher the other day. What, what sort of a role do you see for him? Yeah, I think that's the only role that Philly McMahon is going to play. Um, you know, they did it last year when Tommy Walsh, if you remember, when Kerry were about to bring Tommy Walsh on to the replay, Philly was already grappling with him on the sideline. They, all of a sudden, he was, he was, <laughs> he was, he was summoned up. Uh, and he loved that as well. You know, Philly will, uh, you know, Philly was having great joy in just punching the ball away from Gallagher last week. And he's like, he's, he's physically so strong. He obviously wouldn't have as big a frame as Aidan O'Shea, but he's a monster when it comes to just physical strength. So, yeah, like it's interesting because I don't think Philly will start, and I think the the Dublin player that would be the best physical matchup for him if he goes into full forward would be Davy Bourne. But again, like I don't really think that Davy Bourne, um, you know, I don't think that matchup will suit him close to goal. So they'll have to find a way of whoever Dublin's plus one is, if it's Johnny Coop or even if it's Robbie McDade, he might have to come back and sit in front because Dublin have done that before a lot with Aidan O'Shea and they've done it with Tommy Walsh and other players where the best way to mark these players is you actually just get a crowd around them. Okay, if he wants to bring the ball down, that's fine. Now, that's different now because obviously the offensive mark and that could come into it as well. 
But before, like where Dublin dealt really effectively with Aidan O'Shea, they'd have Keno Sullivan dropping back and standing in front of him and Philly McMahon standing behind him. And effectively in that situation, you know, you'd want to do something outrageous to come out with a clean possession. So that would be a big one. And I could envisage that if, if O'Shea goes into the edge of the square, particularly late on, if Mayo are looking for a goal, that's where Philly McMahon will come in and that's where he'll, uh, he'll get his chance to do a bit of grappling. Yeah, Michael, on the other end of the pitch, the matchups are interesting as well. Like I suppose when Mayo have had success in individual matchups against Dublin in some of those finals, you had, you know, Colin Boyle, Keith Higgins, you know, two all-star defenders, you know, Brendan Harrison, another one, like none of them would probably be in from the start, you know, against Dublin in the final. That's three key defenders who were able to, you know, shackle Dublin forwards to an extent. And now you have like guys like Conor Callahan, Dean Rock in such lethal form in front of goal. That it's maybe is it harder to see them being able to stifle them now when you have that experienced core gone? Yeah, a small bit. And even uh Leek Higgins, an outstanding player, but he he did look a bit susceptible in, in the semi-final. He slipped at one stage and uh Quinlevin had a great goal chance. He was caught under a high ball another stage. So and like we saw how how much not that he struggled, I think anybody probably would have, but Khan kinda Khan kinda left him for dead for that goal in the All Ireland semi-final last year as well. So be interesting to see who he picks up or whether he goes out to the half line, maybe. But they do, they are, they are down. I says those guys that really went toe to toe with the, you know, the cream of Dublin's forwards over the, you know, in recent years in in big final games will will not be present unless there's someone parachuting into the fray, and I can't really see that happening. So I I don't know if they, they definitely won't be taking them on maybe man for man maybe as much as they have in other years because I, I don't know if personnel wise if they match up half as well as they did a couple of years ago so as Connor says that that probably seven defenders going to have to play a huge role to make sure that no uh, no defender is left isolated one on one Dublin will not be isolated one on one the Dublin defenders won't be left isolated one on one at the other end so it's huge that Mayo don't let that happen the other end as well. Yeah, I think as well, like, like if you're looking at the matchups, like Brian Fenton and Kieran Kilkenny are now running this Dublin team and like they're the guys that you just have to stop. In the 2017 final, Lee Keegan did a great job of just hounding Kieran Kilkenny wherever he went on the park. But he, he just doesn't look like he's moving as well as he did before. So I don't know, like a fully fit in proper form Lee Keegan, I think that's a great matchup on Kieran Kilkenny particularly because Kikenny will go inside. He'll swap with Khan a lot during the game. But what has surprised me about uh, Dublin this year and something that I didn't see happening was that now Khan has become almost the new Paul Flynn. If you look at the amount of work that he got through out around the middle third of the pitch, in the Lancer final, I think he caught three clean kickouts. Now, this is a dimension that Khan's game I never really saw before. So he's essentially doing the same job as Kieran Kikenny and they're, and they're kind of rotating and, and switching with each other the whole time. So... You know, I don't know how you're going to keep two of them. And this is the problem with Dublin is when you start to do your matchups, you know, like, okay, you have to take great care on who you put on Conor Callan. You have to make sure that there's somebody who's physically able to go with Kieran Kilkenny. But then you, you've Dean Rock, like, you know, who at 30 or 31 now is in the scoring form of his life, you know. And, you know, if you watch them against Monaghan, all he was doing was standing in that pocket of space just to the left of the goal, 35 yards out. Um, but they know how to generate those kind of matchups, you know. And the same with Fenton, you know, like Rowan is a very athletic midfielder. He can definitely get around the park. But if you set up, a, you know, as Dublin do, a one on one, and Fenton can just show the ball and then go past a player with one movement. If you if if, if that is the situation that happens at the weekend, when Fenton goes past Rowan, if that is the matchup, you know, he's gonna he's gonna end up with three or four scoring chances. So 
you know, I, you just think that in doing matchups, James Horan has a little bit more. He'll have to use his imagination a bit more than Desi Farrell. Mm. And Michael, I suppose there has been a good bit of focus on the six in a row bid that Dublin are going for. But I suppose another record that a, a number of the squad are looking to uh, match is that eight All Ireland medal haul that the few Kerry greats got from the, from the golden years. Like you know, I know James McCarthy and Stephen Cluxon are the two men who've started all those finals up to now. But there's other members of the squad, you know, Philly McMahon, Michael Fitzsimons, who've been around for them all too. It, it'd be it'd be some achievement in an era where they've kind of every year been putting up new records. But to to, to match that, you know, eight medal hall will be something pretty special oh yeah unbelievable and first there's a lot of records to go this weekend Desi Farrell as well is going to, to try and join an elite crew as a minor under 21 and senior All-Ireland winning manager I think from, from the records you can see and it looks like only Cyril Farrell has done it in Hurling and uh, Jack O'Connor and Mickey Hart in football so that would be phenomenal and that would all be within uh, a 10 year period from you know 2011 to 2020 which would be unbelievable as well James McCarthy as he said he's the only he's the only uh, outfield player that, start, that will have started potentially have started all of eight of those All-Ireland wins if they do win on Saturday night um, yeah listen yeah, it's been a decade of dominance a decade of destruction really um, the fact that like you look. I think it's a six-point spread. They're saying for the get for the game on Saturday night. Uh, I don't think it's ever been anything like that coming into any of their other finals against Mayo. They've always been, you know, a point or two, a really, really close run thing. But I think probably that kind of twelve-minute spell at the at the start of the uh, second half of last year's semi-final is probably hanging over probably a lot of people's kind of judgments and just how Dublin have been able to keep everyone at arm's length this year as well. Um, yeah, listen, they're just, they're, all these records they're chasing, like Brian Fenton still hasn't lost a championship match. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy really when you, when you put it all down. There's records have dropped already and, you know, you'd be very surprised if a lot, of, a lot more records don't drop on Saturday evening. Yeah, Connor. One interesting part of this year is that as, as Jack McCaffrey obviously stepped away, and I, I, I'm sure you probably had heard at this stage the interview we did with Bernard Brogan last week, which touched on a you know wide range of issues. But I suppose you know him opting to step away this year and why you know he sounded like he felt a bit burnt out from the, the five in a row chase. And it's interesting. Even you've heard a few people probably mention that the five in a row really did weigh on them a bit in terms of you know getting over the line for history. Do you get the sense that you know? Do they feel burdened by six, or is, was it five was the big one, and now it's almost like a reset, even though it's the same the same kind of run that the five was the big one to get over the line for, and now they've kind of with a new management team as well been able to reset a little bit. Yeah, like you know, I, I got the sense from after the you know three in a row and after the four in a row, you know, talking to some of them that they were still kind of immersed in this. You know, they didn't say it, but I think they they had their sights set on it from about from from the. 2017 probably when they won three in a row and last year it did feel much more like it was the end of something you know um, and obviously when Jim stepped away uh, it was the end of something but I think of all the teams in the country the lockdown and the break and the cessation of training and everything else has probably suited Dublin best because they're a very very self-motivated group so they will have you know they all played club football to a high standard they all kept themselves in in immaculate nick but i think just being away from the intensity of you know being the dublin football team and preparing to win an all ireland you know it does take an awful lot out of players you could you could hear that they came across in jack mccaffrey when you know this absolute sinking feeling that he had that the match was going to a replay like it was only another it was only another week or whatever it was you know and he just i can't believe we have to do this again and like most people would 
would spend our lives dreaming of having to play in an All-Ireland final and Jack couldn't bring himself to kind of show for training. So I think that shows on some level what they put into it, you know. Uh, they devote an awful lot of their time, not just on the training pitch, but away from it, how they live their lives and everything else. But, you know, it, 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 I suppose the thing about the Dublin squad, and you don't get a sense of this during the season, because obviously, you know, everything that comes out of there is kind of carefully packaged for public consumption. But there's an awful lot of different kind of characters there. You know, like you got, you got a sense from listening to Jack McCaffrey that he was really happy with the decision that he's made. So it doesn't matter if Dublin win the All-Ireland at the weekend. Jack McCaffrey's not going to be sitting around saying, I wish I was there. Maybe he wishes he was there on the day itself. But all the stuff to put into it, you know, he just didn't need to put himself through that. But if you ever talk to James McCarthy, like this is a guy you'll have to shoot, I'd say, to get out of a Dublin jersey because he lives and breathes this every day of his life, you know. This, you know, more than nearly any of the players in the squad is the defining characteristic of James McCarthy. You know, he is James McCarthy, the Dublin footballer. So... You know, it's it's kind of a, it's a delicate ecosystem, and I think Desi Farrell, he won't get a whole pile of credit if Dublin win the All Ireland at the weekend because people will say, "Well, you took the greatest team of all time, who won five in a row to six in a row." But I think the challenge in kind of taking on what they've done and been able to let them sort of organically grow or re-energize or whatever it is that Dublin have done, um, I think he deserves great credit for that because there, there was definitely the possibility that the five in a row would be such a release of kind of, you know, stress and pressure and everything else that they mightn't get themselves back up for the season, but very clearly they have. Connor, do you think um, even Desi coming in and just the fact that it's different voices and a load of different faces, even in the backroom team, like Gavin stepping away when he did, like the hardest thing is probably to get off, you know, a winning train. The easy thing would be to stay going and probably go after you lose. Um, do you think that's kind of re-energized the whole thing? He said, he made a comment last week, he just said, we had that conversation around the sort of hunger, the appetite, the desire. We developed a plan and we made ourselves accountable to executing that. That's what we've done. He said there's been no issue with hunger or desire from his respect. Like, do you think it's a big thing even for players, I would say, just to have... They've been winning for so long and they've been listening to the same voices and unbelievable voices, the best coaches and managers we'll probably ever see. But that can only be a help when like Sanders aren't going to drop under Desi realistically. It's just a different voice saying a lot of the same things probably. Yeah. And I think like Desi, you know, when we look back at this era for Dublin football, you know, I think for whatever reason that people think that Dublin have achieved so much success, I'm not sure that any county has ever had a succession of managers like Dublin have had in Pat Gilroy, Jim Gavin and Desi Farrell, you know, they're like serious, serious men. Uh, seriously capable who put an awful lot into this and for whom it means an awful lot and I think the change of voice at the top of the room is definitely an interesting point because you know I, I think Desi is quite a different character to Jim Gavin in his management management persona you know Jim was obviously very um very structured in kind of you know this is the framework that we put in place you know you do it to, to your highest standards whereas Desi Farrell you know I, I think he's He's a different kind of a general, you know. He's he's the sort of fellow, the sort of manager the players want to go to war for, you know. You know, I think he probably his managerial sort of persona might be slightly different from Jim Gavin's. Um, and I think you know, after that length of time, it doesn't matter who your manager is. I think a change can be a good thing, provided you're not going to let standards slip. And like Desi, for all he's achieved in the underage ranks as a manager, you know, 
as a player he, as well, he had some very, very tough defeats. You know, All-Ireland semi-finals that Dublin should have won, All-Ireland finals that they were expected to win. So, you know, he won't want to let this slip on his watch, you know. And that's, that's nearly the poison chalice that Desi took on. He knew that no matter what he did in terms of success, he would, he would get very, very limited praise for that. And yet, if there's anything other than perfection, if they don't win an All-Ireland, it will nearly be seen as, well, you know, he wasn't quite up to what Jim Gavin did, you know. But again, I think that the leaders in that group were so strong. You know, people like Stephen Cluxon and James McCarthy and Johnny Cooper, you know, they wouldn't let their standards fall. And if they saw players that were allowing the, the standards to fall in the group, they just they just get rid of them. Because yeah. they, they have that facility to do it, you know. And interestingly, in that Jack McCaffrey interview, he mentioned that the only reason he even went back for the National League was because of Desi Farrell and this is the personal relationship that he has with him. So maybe I suppose he might be a little closer to the players than Jim Gavin was, who seemed to like to keep his distance as, as the manager. So maybe we might finish off with predictions. Michael, I'll go to you first. Dublin Mayo this Saturday. Who do you think will come out on top? Uh, yeah, I think Dublin will be winning at half time and they'll be winning at full time. I think they'll have maybe two or three to spare at half time and I think they'll they'll turn the screw and I, I I actually think they'll they'll cover they'll cover the handicap spread of six. Um and that's not to say that it's going to be comfortable or anything. Um I think it'll be very tight, but probably down the stretch you could easily see them getting a goal or two, even, you know, third quarter, early kind of last quarter. Um some yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be. I think it'll be. I think it'll be around around the seven point mark. That's not to say it will be at all easy. I don't think it will be. Um, I just think even like if even if things are going wrong or you know Sean Bugler or some of the newer faces are struggling, the guys they have to bring in off the bench. Like if if Paul Manning doesn't start and even uh, if Brian Howard doesn't start, the faces that they have to bring in to steady any sort of you know rocky ship are just absolutely outstanding and it's very. Uh, with the best will in the world, um, and you know the game taking place six days before Christmas, you you think it's almost written in the stars for the green and red of Mayo to to go and do it, but I just 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 can't see it to be honest with you, Connor. Yeah, look, I do think Mayo have a chance, um, which is more than we could say for I think any of the other opposition that Dublin have faced. But I think like you're looking for nearly a disproportionate number of things to go in their favour. You know, like you, you're talking about all your planets aligning. Like they're gonna have to make sure that they, you know, when Dublin have a spell of dominance, Mayo find a way to minimise that. Whatever that means, time waste, you know, win a kick out. They need to do that. Um, they they also they'll have to target players like, you know, Robbie McDade for instance hasn't been put any under any great defensive pressure, you know, so far this year. He scored one two the last day, but you know. Kevin McLaughlin or somebody like that would have to go after him. And I think they'll probably have to get a couple of goals and limit Dublin's best players, Fenton, Kilkenny particularly. Um, so can they do all those things? Yeah, they can. But are they likely to do them all on the same afternoon? I, I don't think so. Um, I think it might be a bit tighter. Um, but I think the one thing that has defined this rivalry over the last 10 years or whatever is Dublin's big players' ability to do the right thing at the end of games when the pressure has come under them uh, the very most. And they still have all those big players. And I think, you know, those players will, will stare Dublin to another victory. But it could be only two or three points. Just on what Connor said there as well, Dublin's big players always come to the fore in these big games. And I suppose it maybe has been questioned whether Aidan O'Shea and maybe Killian O'Connor have had their best games in these really big games. Now, they've had, both had brilliant years. And you could say Killian O'Connor is probably playing the football of his career. If those two guys, if those two guys step up and, you know, 
deliver you're, you're looking for that you're looking for the majority of them to deliver you know a game of games and as Connor says for a dis- disproportionate amount of things to go their favour I, I just find it hard to see it but hopefully I'd, I'd gladly be around yeah, well, it's interesting, I suppose, if you look at the All-Ireland Finals, Dublin have won. It's very rare that all the big guys have fired in all cylinders. You know, you've had games where Keegan has nullified Kenny, but then, you know, Dean Rock steps up and kicks some really important scores. Like in the in the you know, drawn final last year, Jack Barry did a good job in Brian Fenton again. Jack McCaffrey stepped up, and in the replay, it was O'Callaghan and Kenny. But I suppose the, the, the trick for Mayo is trying to keep enough of them quiet. Which is a tall order, but you know we've we've had some outrageous shocks in this year's championship. So so who knows what could happen on the final day? But for the moment, Connor, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, well. Cheers, well. That's all we have time for on the throne this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. We'll be back next Monday with a podcast reviewing the All Ireland Football Final. And in the meantime, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next Monday, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.